Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Fool. I'm your host, Chris Amador. This podcast is a tribute to the people I've met along my journey and to their stories. I've learned a lot from all of them, and I'm really grateful. Rodrigo is one of my closest friends. He's also one of the most passionate and intelligent people I know. He speaks at least four languages, maybe more. He has a love for all things creative, from music to cooking to the arts to travel to the best football club in the world, FC Barcelona. That is our humble yet factual opinion. He's an incredible father to my beautiful niece, Laia, and a loving husband to my friend and fellow Barca fan, Mireille. For all you football or soccer fans, this episode was recorded prior to Messi staying at Barcelona. You will hear our lamentations about the club and what it would be like without Messi. I love and admire Rodrigo's passion for life, and I'm honored to be able to share this conversation with you. And so it begins. Good to see you, my friend. It's great to see you, Chris. Well, we're definitely going to be talking about Messi's situation. Uh, we're sure. definitely going to be talking about your feelings about that. Uh, and if you're not afraid to talk about your feelings for the uh, older members of the club, uh, which I'm not afraid, I'm going to come out and say that I don't like PK right now. Great. Uh, but we're going to first start off slow and we're going to go okay. right into uh, what's the COVID situation like in Mexico? What's it been like? What's been like the last six months been like? It's been interesting, you know, because so here's the thing. Um, probably from what I get in the U.S., most people trust the government's numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Pro- I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. I guess the situation is a little bit different in Latin America in which um, probably governments aren't that transparent. So in a sense, you feel like it's getting worse mm-hmm. and you're definitely, I'd say more than afraid, you're cautious because... Mm-hmm. Hospitals might be just um, out of beds for you if you get COVID-19, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is that uh, the numbers the government is uh, sharing with us don't really look like numbers in the rest of the world. Mm. So it's a little bit suspicious, you know? Right. So I guess that was the first um, two, three months. And... It got worse in the sense that now people are getting worried. People are getting sicker and sicker. Still, the government gives a uh, false hope in that we are flattening in the curve. And it's not at all being flattened, even with the numbers they gave you. Wow. So I'd say we had a similar crisis in probably 10 years ago, 2009, if I recall correctly. It was, um, I believe it was called a swine flu. Mm-hmm. And people were wearing uh, face masks and, and protective equipment. So that's not uh, very different from 11 years ago. Okay. Except that uh, I, I believe people were more afraid back then than they are now. Mm. And I don't know if it's uh, because of post-millennials just growing up and being probably responsible. I'm not blaming post-millennials, mm. right? But it seems that uh, entitlement, if you spare the word, is getting the worst of us. Doesn't matter if you have more or less money. If you're more entitled, then it seems that you just don't want to abide by the rules. Mm. Which is very frustrating. People are partying, people are disobeying um, regulations and rules. And also the federal government has not been as adamant as they should have been Mm. in following rules or I'm not saying giving you punishment for not following the rules, but 
maybe being more preoccupied or proactive. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's been um, it's been a difficult situation in the sense that even if you're doing your part, yeah. just because of civil um, commitment, not many people are doing the same. Wow. Regardless of um, the amount of money you make or you know the so-called uh, how you call those social status, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. People are entitled regardless of social status and people are entitled to do so or, you know, disobeying rules, not being civic enough, pretty much everywhere. Wow. wow. So it's been frustrating. Yeah. Truth be told. Yeah. I mean, because you can't, you can't simply just take uh, Laya out anywhere, the, your daughter. You can't just like, because no one's really following the, following the rules. Some people are following the rules. Like in, on the streets, there are people wearing face masks, which is uh, positive. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere in Mexico City. So I could potentially take Laya out. Uh, Laya is wearing her tiny uh, face mask. She mm-hmm. looks horrible. Uh, it's not that we couldn't take her out. It's probably me being more cautious and rather not taking her out. Just yeah. because I, I know there's going to be someone not wearing a face mask, I would definitely like to avoid any confrontation, especially in these dire times. Mm. And right. so we take her to, to her granny, to her other granny, and that's probably it. Mm. But six and months, man, it's been, it's been a been long time. Crazy. It's a real long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you and I communicated throughout, uh, throughout COVID and stuff, and you were telling me that somebody in your building had it. Yeah, this was like, five months ago, like really fresh in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, you know, guys, uh, watch it because someone in your building, I'm not saying who, the administration said that. We're not disclosing the identity of this person, but yeah, mind, um, take precautions because someone's definitely uh, sick within the building. Mm-hmm. That was, I guess this was five months ago, close to six months. Mm. So it was scary. Yeah. And the other part is that I believe people are not that scared of COVID until they get it or until yeah. someone close to them gets it. Yeah. So it's not like this um, astronomically cataclysmic situation in which shit hits the fan and then everyone's scared. Because it's not like that. This mm-hmm. is just a theory. People are just... Uh, probably mellow about it is like sure i rather not go out but if if i have a chance i will go out i rather not see people right now but uh, you know it's my birthday it's mm-hmm. six months so that's really frustrating yeah because it's it's really people not making sense about it because I, and i mean this is this is very fortunate not that many people have died mm. so as to not make this a total disaster Mm. Given that it's not a total disaster, I, I mean, it is, but I, I'm just relaying people's feelings because I believe in Mexico, the death toll rate is about less than 10%, which is, I mean, it's really big for me, right? Mm. Yeah. I'm a numbers guy. But mm. some people is like, well, one out of 10 people dying, it's not that bad. Mm. And that's the attitude that uh, that's just worsening stuff. Wow. Yeah. It's a total disaster. I yeah. bet you people would be totally in their places uh, at home wearing masks at every single time of the day. Streets would be deserted, which they're not. 
Mm-hmm. There's traffic now. Really? Yeah, it, there is. Wow. Yeah. So in the end, people are really not uh, putting the entire effort that they should, not only for themselves, but for their fellow neighbor. Yeah. We don't have that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. I mean, you, you, get the, uh, you get the sense that Mexico is somewhat uh, family and community oriented, and it doesn't sound that way right now. It sounds a little bit separated. That's a very interesting optic, because normally it is. Yeah. And I guess there's two aspects to it. The, the first one is we're definitely still community and family-based in the sense that people are still partying, but mm. only with their close circle, okay. family and friends, but they're still partying, right? Right. The second aspect to it is that um, there's a lot of classism in Mexico. So really? We, yeah, we do not really have, uh, we, we do have it, uh, racism. It's not that bad in the sense that we do not have different races so as to attack a particular race. Mm. We don't. We're, uh, in, throughout Latin America, it's just a blend, right? Uh, African uh, people got Im- embedded in Latin America. Uh, indigenous people got embedded in Latin America. Um, Euro- European people or conquerors, everyone mixed. So race-wise, I probably can say that we don't have an issue. We've been receiving uh, people from Asia, people from, people from Africa, and we're not, uh, I'd say we're not that racist. Mm. We, we must be, right? Um, because it's a systemic thing, a worldwide systemic thing. But we are worse with class. Mm. And even, if, even in the same race, we're really bad at darker tones of skin or darker skin tones. Wow. It's not, it's not, I cannot say it's race based because we're probably very homogenous race, right. but definitely color is in the, in the mix. Mm. That being said, the, the, the second aspect to this is that sure, there's your immediate group, your family, your friends, your close friends. But after that, like the, a second or third um, degree of separation, that is where it gets bad. You don't give a crap. Mm. Most people don't. So people, as I told you, people are partying, people are going out, people are um, non-essential workers are going to work Mm. rather than staying home because it's tiresome, you know. Why should I stay home? I said, come on, seriously. (laughs) It's frustrating. Yeah, because you want this to be over. I mean, you want everything to go away and then people just can't abide by the rules and, and, and keep prolonging this and it's frustrating. You're absolutely right. Um, it's painful. But what was it like for you? You grew up in Mexico City or what part of Mexico did you grow up? I did, Mexico City. Yeah. What, part, what part of Mexico City? I lived in a place called Coyoacan, which is a southern Mexico City. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very old place, a uh, very old settlement, mm-hmm. historically. And more recently, it became like a very hippie, uh, beatnik thing my neighborhood so it's fun to to grow up there nice nice and, and did you have to deal with hippies and, and marijuana smoke and stuff or yeah uh, it was fun uh because because they were super mellow you know uh you you actually got to see some uh very very strict uh urban tribes in Coyoacan which was, was amazing uh, you had your 
you had your hippies, you had your uh, the legacy of the earlier beatniks and pounding the drums and uh-huh. and smoking and with the berets and and you got to see um the Jamaican dudes and wearing uh the the, the Rastafari thing and dreadlocks and smoking pot everyone was smoking pot by the way uh mm-hmm. but it was it was fun it, it was a an interesting um cultural and musical scene mm-hmm. i loved my neighborhood it was great well i mean you you have your own podcast where you have your select uh, music and this is where your interest comes from right that neighborhood for your love for music it definitely has something to do with it absolutely um because the amount of music you were you were exposed to in that neighborhood was was pretty cool. Some of, uh, at least two of the top Mexican rock bands mm-hmm. were from that neighborhood. I'm talking about a band called Caifanes and a band called Phobia. Mm. They, were, they were neighbors to my best friend growing up. So it was nice. really fun. Nice. And they, did they, they teach you an instrument? I did. Uh, st- since I was very young, I had a tendency to just pound on every instrument that I had access to. <laughs> and this was at my grandma's and there was a really, really, really old, like 1960s Yamaha um, keyboard that you actually had to wait like five minutes for it to, like the old cars, you know, you had to leave them on for them to work properly. Oh, yeah. So I did that. And, and so I heard the tunes and I tried to replicate them. This was the same for guitars. Uh, so every instrument, the only ones that I really had a hard time um uh, playing them not even learning them were like wind instruments like trumpets and and flutes and all sorts of wind instruments they're, they're really hard to me because i was little mm-hmm. um but as far as keyboards and guitars basses uh probably even like a, i remember a harp somewhere everything that made sound that, that i could make sound of mm-hmm. out of i was totally dragged into it so eventually after begging my dad for about five years, mm-hmm. like every single weekend, he finally told me, okay, so you're getting a guitar for your birthday, but I need you to learn guitar. He's like, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. they thought that I was going to drop out immediately after getting the guitar. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, this was uh, 25 years ago. I still play the guitar. So, so there you have it. So you... Um but did that get you through the, the bad days of, uh, you know, of doing nothing during Corona? I mean, when you're staying at home, did you practice guitar quite a bit? Well, interestingly enough, no, because, uh, I mean, I have my guitars here. Take a look. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've got uh, like three guitars, a bass, another packed guitar. I got a, a ukulele in here. <laughs> uh, That's cool. So, uh, no, it hasn't. I, I haven't had time. Which really? is totally ironic. I haven't had time to play instruments. To, to tell the truth, what has gotten me through is uh, my family. Absolutely. But, but Laya, she's now 21 months. Mm-hmm. And so not only is she like running all around the place, but she's like really talkative, even if probably doesn't make sense whatever she said, because mm-hmm. she cannot talk. She can count. She can count her ABCs. Um, she can communicate basic stuff like I'm bored, I want to play, uh, feed me, give me something to drink, uh, change the channel, please. Without the please, of course. Uh, I guess that's, that's the thing that has gotten me through. 
And also the podcast. I do a weekly podcast, as you said. And that's my therapy. That's my weekly therapy. Wow. I would imagine because Laia La is just so adorable. She is so <laughs> adorable. She, uh, the video sent me of her saying, Barca, Barca, as she's pointing to the flag. It just, uh, I know. I was going to send uh, the club itself that video. It's like, mm. see what are, what, what are you doing to me? Mm. See what are you doing to her? It's, Come on. Yeah. I, I got to, we got to talk Barca. We, we got to, we got to, we got to do it. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, losing Messi to any club, I don't care who it is, where he goes to, it's like everyone's like barking about PSG, Man City, whatever. I don't really, like he's leaving. And to me, it's, it's like losing a family member. Um, does that feel the same for you? Absolutely. Um, so here's the thing. I, I, I don't, gosh, uh, it's not only a family member, but it's probably when mom and dad get separated, mm. uh, I mean, uh, my, my parents didn't, but it sorts of feel uh, that way. Uh, what are we without Messi? And let me get to that later. Um, but what's Messi without Barca? It's, it's really tough because mm. it's been a 20-year marriage, mm -hmm. close to 20 years. I, I remember when Messi was uh, a cadet in, in, in Barça B and, and, and a La Levin uh, earlier. And I remember the 2006 World Cup. He was probably like 16 or 17. I can't remember. But I remember watching him play uh, alongside Ronaldinho, alongside uh, Sami Eto'o. Mm -hmm. He was a kid. <laughs> he, he, was, he, he even had like a like a belly, you know, because all of the, the amount of soda he drank. Mm -hmm. So coming from Barca, where, um, yes, Frank Reichardt gave us, and Joan Laporta, I, I need to say this, uh, they gave us what Christos Toyskov and Ronald Koeman gave us, and, of course, the, the legend. Um, Sorry, I'm just reminiscing here because uh, I, I actually remember Kuman's goal against Sampdoria. And, and I, so 11 years had passed before another Champions League. And all of a sudden, Raikard was out of touch and Joan Laporta was out of touch and, and everyone was waving the, the white handkerchiefs at Camp Nou. Even when Raikard gave us another Champions League, but you could sort of tell that, well, okay, so here he goes again. Another eight, ten years without nothing, and probably someone eventually will come in, and, and we might have a third Champions League. Mm -hmm. um, along came Josep Guardiola mm -hmm. and this amazing generation of players. It was sort of like this... Uh, probably like an eclipse you know that uh, all of the right conditions need to be met for you experience this amazing uh end result and and that was barca in what was it god it's been so long in 2009 yeah right yeah. but we've seen messi since 2005 or 2006 and so getting back to messi himself it's like man my captain you know how much I, 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 my utmost respect goes to Carlos Puyol. He had a, 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 an amazing tenure 
he was the exact embodiment of what Barcelona DNA is. Mm-hmm. He's the quintessential captain and he will forever. No one has come close to him as captain. Mm-hmm. No one will ever. Oh, well, I hope so, but uh, at least not that I can see in the immediate future. So there's Carles and there's Jordan Iniesta. Oh my God, what can we say about Iniesta? And there's oh, Xavi. Every, every uh, single time. Every, in the, uh, when I get down in dress, it's like, I, I got to do, yeah. And Xavi Hernandez. Yeah. Xavi. And so, so these, these generation or, or this generation of these players, Messi was a part of, Piqué is a part of, Busquets is a part of. And you sort of, when Pujol retired and, and then, you know, uh, Xavi will retire. Mm-hmm. He did. And then it's like, well, it's Don Andres' turn. And he did. Every single one of them had a great goodbye. They retired in the team of their heart, right? Mm. Um, so I bet that every single Kule out there was expecting the single most amazing goodbye show or goodbye uh, like a go-away party for Messi. Let's be clear about something. Um, in 121 years of history, there hasn't been anyone in Barca like Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is single-handedly the most important player we've had ever. And the fact that he came in so young and he actually uh, replicated the entire Masia... Um, Masia slash Ajax thing that um, mm. what's his name? I, I, this is oh, Cruyff. Johan Cruyff gave us. That's mm. that's Cruyff's legacy. Mm. The fact that Messi followed every single footstep of Masia, no. getting into the B team, getting into the the, the first squad, mm. and then losing him like this. Oh man! Oh my God! I remember when. We, we've lost great players. Um, but I, I remember one that did hurt a lot was Figo. Yep. We hate the guy. Yep. I hate the guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm not generalizing. I'm not talking about you guys out there, but I hate the guy. He was a captain. He was a great player and he was a pig. Yeah. Sure. Uh, eventually, history retells itself and, and we learn some, some things about why he left. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's a pig. He left. Yep. He was captain in a yep. great Barca squad. And he left. Yep. But you know what? Figo never had Barca DNA. Mm-hmm. He adapted to Barca DNA. Absolutely. He was a great player. He'll be remembered. But he wasn't uh, Barca's beating heart. Like Puyol. Like Xavi. Like uh, Don Andres. Like Busi. I might even say like Piqué. Mm-hmm. Even though he left for Liverpool. Liverpool, Manchester City? No, Manchester United, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, he got back. Like Cesc Fabregas. Another miss. Oh, my God. Cesc mm-hmm. was amazing. Uh, he had Barca DNA. We eventually got him back. And then... Pfft, yeah, something just went Something missed. terrible went wrong. And we let the guy go. But Messi. Yeah. Oh, Chris. It, it's not only a family member leaving or being estranged is mom and dad getting a divorce. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. It hurts. 
Yeah, I mean, just the other night, I was uh, looking at his last goal, goal for uh, Barcelona when um, against Napoli, and that amazing goal when he stood up and he like he's tripped, he got up and he made the goal. I cried, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I because really cried. that was the last goal goal in Barca, yeah. and who would have known, right? Yeah. No, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. So, one thing that I must clarify is. And I say it with a heavy heart, but it needs to be said. No one, absolutely no one, not players, coaching staff, um, especially not uh, directors or board or whatever, not, not even us fans or socios, you know, the ones that we actually pay money to the club to own mm -hmm. a small part of it. No one is above FC Barcelona. No mm -hmm. one is. Right. No one will ever be. It's just, that's why we're more than a club. Mm. And I say this with heavy heart because never in my life after meeting Messi, never would I thought I'd be saying something like this because I really thought he was going to retire there. I really thought he was going back as, um, you know, like, like Abby did. Poor Abidal because... Mm -hmm. He's been sacked. He's done some mistakes, but still. Um, and it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Probably the, in recent times, the most... Uh, let me think for a bit. When Pep Guardiola was leaving, oh my God, it was so hard. Yeah. Because there's yeah. a guy that he was captain and he was amazing and he... He was super Catalan and he was super Barca. Barca DNA wasn't born on him. It's like Barca, like Pep Guardiola actually stemmed from Barca itself, right? Mm -hmm. the legendary captain, the legendary defender, um, all of a sudden turned into the single most amazing coach Barca has had. Not only he won uh, the, the triplete, he won like the, the sextete, you know, the six trophies in one year. No yeah. one has ever done it. Nope. Again. Nope. I mean, Baron can Baron can brag all they want. They, you know, they they got two. They have two triple this with sort of way, but yeah. nobody has Sestopla. Nobody. And and so after his fourth year, when he actually resigned, he's like, "Oh man, no! Don't leave, please! Don't leave!" And it hurt. Mm -hmm. When Tito Villanova passed away, it hurt so bad. Mm -hmm. But this, this is uncanny. Yeah. I mean, you and I, over the years, since I've, what, last, uh, last three years since I've known you? Yep. Um, it's, you and I have been talking about it almost, you know, bi-monthly, because we don't talk as much as I would like. <laughs> um, um, but it's bi-monthly. We were always planning for that day when yep. Messi's retiring. We were we, talking about, that's like... The word, right? We yeah. were planning when Messi retires. It's like, uh, we actually had, like, a fund, remember? Yeah. A messy retiring fund. So we need to go there. We need to secure tickets and our plane tickets. Yeah. And, and that dream's gone, my friend. Yeah. We, I mean, we had places to stay. We had inns. We had inns at the, at the stadium for getting tickets there and stuff. And like the, all this positive things. Like we're, and, and, and imagining hearing that name reverberating throughout that stadium. Messy, messy, messy. Over and over and over again. You know, and, and that's, that's our way to say goodbye for all the wonderful things. Gone. 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 And that's a travesty. Yeah. yeah I mean, 
I'm sorry, but even talking about it, just getting teary-eyed. It's like no, no, I, I totally get that. Uh, yeah, because okay, so pardon this analogy, but uh, following the fact that I said that it it seems like a like a unamicable uh, divorce, mm-hmm. I think it gets worse. Um, I think it's when your mom or someone's mom gets a divorce because dad's an asshole and. And, and, and he's hitting mom or he's abusive to mom. Mm-hmm. It feels that way. It absolutely does. Absolutely. Because I mean, seriously, seriously, are, are, are you joking? We as a club, we as voting members, so that's the thing. After Luis Enrique, which I was, and you know me, I was totally against Luis Enrique. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's not one day that I applaud Luis Enrique and not a day goes by that I do not say this. It wasn't Luis Enrique's triplete. It was Xavi Hernandez's triplete. Yeah, absolutely. If Xavi and Iniesta weren't there on the field, nothing would have happened. Of, of course, yeah. Messi is primordially another architect of that success. But he wasn't. He, he was younger. He wasn't a captain. Xavi was. And then Iniesta was. And... So it's not Luis Enrique's triplete. So the, I believe this is where it gets tricky. So you vote in favor of the board that got us Luis Enrique. And sure, by all means, a triplete meant success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm with him. Yeah. But in his first year, wouldn't that probably be part of what even Tata Martino did? Or, or what Tito Villanova left doing, uh, and, and what Xavi and Iniesta and Messi and Piqué and Busquets and every single member of that squad was doing, it was momentum. It got built up from, from years earlier. Mm-hmm. What happened when Xavi retired? It was awful for Andres because now Andres is captain, but he's got crappy coaches. And yeah. that's Luis Enrique. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to say that. Um, I know you and I do not agree on this, but I thought that Valverde was an amazing coach for Barca. Yeah. Now, after Setien, gone, now I can say, Chris, I told you so. It wasn't Valverde. <laughs> so everyone was, yeah. sack Valverde, sack Valverde. He's the yeah. asshole. He's, he's ruined us. I seriously don't think he did. If at all, mm. he just avoided an earlier debacle. Mm-hmm. Sure, I, I don't blame Setien at all because, you know, shit had hit the fan years before. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you got a frustrated Messi and the frustration started with Roma and mm-hmm. then Liverpool. Then Bayern is just just unnameable. It's, it's, it's terrible. But I think my my I was talking to my friend Borgia last night. We, you know, you guys are going to meet at some point. Um, he's a Barca fan, and he hit the nail on the head as far as we we should have seen this coming. We should have seen this Absolutely. coming prior prior to all. Like we should have seen this coming right at and hit. Like he very good point. Very good point. He said right after Danny Danny Alves, we should have seen this coming. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, because when he said it, my mind just went... No, no, no. Absolutely. Right after that. Absolutely. 
Have, Why would someone in their right mind sacked Dani Alves? Why? I mean, well, well, here's a story I heard. I'm not sure, but here's a story I heard. Dani Alves is a big partier who's influencing Neymar. Neymar then they, they had they, like, we want to keep Neymar. We don't want him to, we don't want to lose this guy. He's partying too much. Let's get rid of Dani Alves. That's what I heard. Is, oh it, is, it, is it BS? I don't know, but probably uh, it is. You know what? Probably not. Right. What happened? Danny Alves snatched Neymar to PSG. And that's on you, Barto. That's on you. Mm -hmm. Why in the first place would you get rid of the best uh, line defender or right line defender, at least for the time being? Yeah. Danny, just like Jordi Alba, Danny Alves was uh, Messi's best friend, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, all those assists by both of them made Messi way more amazing than he was. Um, I absolutely agree. Because right after Alves, something happened in Barca. Y you could sense it. Mm -hmm. Sure. I, I, so the, the same happened with Ronaldinho. Oh my God, he's a partier. He, he's influencing Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos who were there in the, the teen squad. Um, and since all of them were Brazilian and they love partying, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you have to be smarter. And, and what, what did they accomplish, you know? Because mm. um, right after Dani Alves, if I recall correctly, we've already met, no, probably not, I can't remember. But I do remember uh, the PSG match just mm. right before Neymar fled to PSG. Neymar yeah. scored a goal against PSG, one of the, one of the four. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was probably the last good thing we saw in Barca, like the old Barca, how, how it was functioning, how they played, uh, the passion, the impetus. And yeah, Neymar Gon uh, definitely gave us something to think about. Me I believe Messi felt um, discouraged. And then everything went on a downward spiral. Yeah. So we've talked about this. Messi, last year's, he hasn't been um, the brightest guy, emotionally speaking. There's what he did in the Argentinian squad uh, twice. Mm. He abandoned them. But you sort of knew that he was coming back. Everyone, everyone knew that. It was just a tantrum. When I heard about the Bureau facts, and I told you this, I knew he was gone, like for good. Yeah. That's no tantrum. That's been building up for the last four years. And we should have seen that four years ago. And we should have totally, because that's a tiny little clause in his contract that he's uh, executing now. That was well thought of. I mean, it, it wasn't just a, a thing that either his lawyers or his dad told him yeah. to do. No, no, no. That was... That was his uh, exit strategy, and and he's been thinking it for for years now. And it's funny when you use the divorce analogy; it's 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 so apropos. It really is so apropos because, like you and you know, we've all been in relationships, long term, you know, whatever that we've been in love with and stuff like that. And you, the last thing you want to do is walk away, but you know it's the healthiest goddamn thing to do right now. Yeah. And I think that you know, Messi's got. You know, he's messy. So he's got three good years left in him. Yeah. You know? 
He's got three good years. How do you want to spend them? Oh, another year without, without a Champions League? Another year without trophies? Another year without winning? Another year without, like, he's going to die. Like, how is he going to grow? He needs to grow. Absolutely. And, and this is heartbreaking, but the best thing for Messi to do is leave us. That's crazy. <laughs> so, so difficult to say. Yeah. Even saying yeah, We're toxic. Yeah. We are. We are. We are. Very we are the abusive dad. Yeah. And, and Messi, the, the impeccable wife, has been putting up with us for the last four years at least. Of hoping that the relationship will work, hoping everything will work out, hoping everything will be okay. No. Gotta walk it hasn't out. been. It has been worse. Every single year, it's worse. Yeah. It's the first time in 12 years that we really go empty-handed. And you know what? I'm glad. And you know I beat, I, I beat Barca. You know, I, I, I pay the club every single year to, be, to just have a voice. And, and I've, I've been to Camp Nou countless times. And I've seen Messi four times. I had the privilege to chant his name in Camp Nou. Mm. But you know what? He's better off without Barca. And it breaks my heart to say this. Mm-hmm. It really does. There's nothing we can do. Like, I, I heard that Barto was, God, uh, I heard that he said something like, well, if it's me, then I'll put the club's um, interests above me and I'll present my resignation. That should have happened two years ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, that should have happened the moment we, the, the faux pas against Roma. That should have happened there. But no, the people that voted this, uh, this board and this president because of what Luis Enrique did, didn't see this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the thing. Uh, uh, it's, it's complex, yeah. uh, but there's nothing we can do. And, and it's such a shame to let go of the best player the world has ever given. He was ours and we let him go. Now, people would say uh, Ronaldo, as we like to say, Pinaldo, because most of his goals were through penalty kicks and flopping. Um, you know, Ronaldo, this one, that one, it's like, why do you think Messi? Now, I have my, my reasons why he's Messi, because it's fucking obvious. He's, you know, if you look at all of his videos, and he's, he's like five foot six, five foot seven, 150 pounds circling wet, and he's going up against frigging gorillas, and he scores, the, yep. he scores the more goals than anybody in history. You know, I, I mean, the obvious, the obvious why he's the best. But why, how would you describe Messi as being the best? On countless occasions, I've had this... Um discussion and let me be clear on this uh cristiano ronaldo is out of this world and we've and the fact that he played in madrid and messi in barca it was a gift from the gods to us to every single one of us we should be thankful and we should cherish ronaldo's years in madrid and messi's years in barca because we we absolutely saw the two greatest players and I'm saying this, uh, I don't care. I don't, I don't mind uh, comparisons and I don't mind about people, um, nostalgia and, mm-hmm. and the past. Pelé, Cruyff, and uh, Maradona are definitely, this is prior to Messi and Ronaldo, mm-hmm. they were the best, bar none. Probably, you know, someone, some can argue that, um, I don't know, uh, 
Who else is missing in that list? Uh, well, anyways. Yeah. You had your, your top three, right? Yeah. Uh, some say Pelé, some say Maradona, but they're both there. And then close third, um, Johan Cruyff. And then uh, probably Platini, maybe? Mm-hmm. But there's was, no doubt. I'm sorry, what, what were you saying? Uh, I would also say Fat Ronaldo. I would put Fat Ronaldo in there. I liked him a lot. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Fat Ronaldo. Sure. <laughs> he was amazing. No, totally. Yeah. But, but, but you see, uh, I, I believe... I strongly believe that you need to have this argument in terms of soccer evolution. Yeah. Because football has evolved from when these guys were playing to football or soccer as we know it today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much more aggressive. It's super fast. If you go see uh, old World Cup games from like Mexico 1986 and you saw Maradona, actually... There's not a big difference from from Messi in in, in the position in the changeups, uh, the dynamics of it. But what is absolutely different is every single party defending from Maradona. It's probably like sixty miles slower than the defenders today, and yeah, that yeah. Is, that is what you need to to take into account or consider for 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 um, for a comparison of these sorts. Yeah, I strongly believe that both Messi and Ronaldo are above these guys because where these guys playing in actual football as it is played today, they probably be as good as Slatten, which is a monster, sure, or uh, probably Mueller, um, Mohamed Salah. You, you know, like top notch, but not yeah, amazing players. Yeah, but not the best. And both had different characteristics. I'll start with Ronaldo. I know you asked me about Messi, but I need to say this. Ronaldo, to me, is a masterclass of dedication. So he, he was probably not born with a talent or natural talent, but he developed it. He developed his body into a tank, into a machine. And he was the first one to, to be there and the last, the last guy to leave. And it, and it shows. Because, mm-hmm. uh, and I made this comparison because you, you need to look at Portugal, uh, Portugal or Portugal, like the team squad, like the national squad mm-hmm. with Ronaldo in it. Right. They got, uh, as a squad, they were amazing. They won the yeah. Euro with Ronaldo. Yeah. They snatched it from the French. They did an amazing, amazingly good World Cup. Um, What happens with Messi? Messi is a god. I mean, uh, his sheer talent is nothing short of godly. Mm. He was born with talent. But many people are born with talent. What Messi did was factor in that talent and his shortcomings. I mean, if you compare Ronaldo and Messi, physically, there's no comparison. One's an Olympian, the other one's a regular guy. But that regular guy took his talent to the limit and he has given us not physical plays but work of art Messi is a symphony yeah Ronaldo is a very strict march he's spot on he pounds he's physical he's aggressive he's not the best in the world probably I could 
probably argue he's the second best. But Messi, watching Messi play was like uh, listening Beethoven's fifth for the, fair, for the first time. I mean, it's, it's every single goal he had. And, and out of those, there's like probably 10 that leave you speechless. And if you love this sport as much as we do, mm. it doesn't matter if you're Barca or Madrid or Bayern or Napoli or it doesn't matter. Mm. If you love the game, you should, uh, you should be at his feet. Mm-hmm. With this being said, we as Barca, because I'm not pointing fingers, we as Barca, we let the football god leave. Yeah. In bad terms. Mm-hmm. So not even a goodbye, not even a, uh, what he deserves. He deserved the most impressive goodbye act of all times mm. and 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 we screwed that up so it's not all it's not about the championships it's not about the trophies it's not about the numbers it, it cuts deeper than that we managed to let the best player in the world leave that's mm. unforgivable chris yeah i i that i mean that it's not i mean like Roma for me was was the worst until worst hit embarrassment until Bayern and Barcelona. That was it. I mean, like Liverpool, hey, they really good team, really really good team, and we had we had a good lead on them, and we blew it, and then they came back and won. Yep. Okay, you know, fair enough. Anfield is a very very tough field to win in anyway. Oh, and they won fair and square. And yeah. 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 But Roma, yeah, Roma, yeah, that that. Yeah. But at least, at least Liverpool went on to win. Yep. Roma, that was it. It was like, oh, God, that hurt. That hurt really bad. But Bayern, it's there's a stain on the shield that will never come off. That that for me, and and I think that it's like, if you if if you if the heart is not in it, and if it's about the numbers and it's about the money, it's about that's what I thought Barcelona was about. You know, taking this youth, like the La Masia youth, and bringing them up and making the new Messi's, making the new Chavis, making it's not about that anymore. It's like we should have seen it with La Masia. We should have seen it with La Masia. Yep. We're seeing it with La Masia and watching it hit a you know a train wreck. You know, that's the hard part. It's like all these young kids. Pooj, I mean, Pooj has been phenomenal. Yeah, come on, phenomenal. Ansu, I mean, but, and that's another thing. I mean, so in, in, in your thirst, because you're thirsty because you don't have any prospects. So Ansu, he's not even 17 or is he 17 now? He's 18 now. Yep. Oh, so he's still very young and he's very prone to injuries. Mm-hmm. He hasn't developed uh, the body of that he had in like five years. And I think we're, because we're, the same thing happened with Messi. Except Messi is Messi, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think in their thirst to like this is the this is the next Eto, this is the next Ronaldinho. Well, and guess what? He's from home. He's from La Masia. In their thirst, I believe they're pushing uh, a handful of kids very, very hard. Yeah. But what happened to Thiago, Chris? Thiago is in Bayern. He lifted, he played amazingly. He was a machine. Thiago was a machine. And, and who else? Uh, oh, and we, 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 let him, we let him go and we yes. got Vidal. 
It's like, why are you kidding me? Exactly. Not, I'm not saying that Vidal is not an amazing player. He is. He's old now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- th- those decisions really, really, to me, they don't make tons of sense. Um, I'm in favor of Griezmann, but I totally need to accept this. Uh, Griezmann wasn't for Barca. Mm-hmm. We have him now. So, so at least use him. But no. So the whole Messi situation just uh, made it clear. Messi was, uh, he was masquerading the actual club's uh, true state. We are in a dire state and we've been in a dire state for the last three years. But thanks to Messi, we didn't see it until what happened. So what happened with Bayern was inevitable. Mm-hmm. It was prone to happen. And it finally did. Finally, a team had uncovered the lies that we've been telling every single one, that we are still a great team. We are not. Mm. We had the best player in the universe. That's what made us competitive. But we're not a great team at all. Mm. We have an amazing, amazing goalkeeper. Thanks to that, thanks mm. to that, we hadn't, make, uh, we hadn't ridiculed ourselves earlier. Yeah. Thanks to Ter Stegen. But even with Ter Stegen, with um, a laughable defense that we've had for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. that's what you get. Well, since Puyo left. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, uh, I seriously don't, don't even want to imagine what will be of us without uh, Clement. Because I think Lenglet is amazing. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He got to, wa- to win the World Cup. Uh, he's another French uh, defender, which we've had a few. Um, he's tall, he's physical, he scores goals. I mean, uh, as a central defender, you, need that. You, you don't need that. It's just the cherry on top of the cake, right? Mm-hmm. Without Lenglet, I don't know what would have happened to us. Uh, because, and you know me, and, and I'm not afraid to say it out loud, and, and, and hopefully your fans... And, and Barca fans can at least uh, acknowledge this without me being ripped apart. Piqué needs to leave. And Piqué <laughs> needed to leave three years ago. I'm so sorry. Yes, he's uh, the quintessential son of Catalonia. He is. He's rich. He was born rich. He's a bully, which, I mean, in, in Catalan culture, uh, there, there are not many bullies, right? No. And that's why he's adored, because he's a guy that, um, probably not, not a bully per se, but at least a guy that has principles. He's willing to not shut up. Th- those are great, great treats. I mean, those are, but you know what? Piqué is no longer a good defender. Yeah. And he hasn't been for the last three years. Yeah. And yes, you know, people might be shouting at me right now, but please just, just take this into consideration. He, Piquet will be an amazing president for Barca. He will be. You really agree? You agree? Yes. I, okay. I didn't agree before. Now I see him. Yes. Okay. And you know why? Okay. Because he at least, and this was totally surprising to me, he at least had the cojones to say, if it's me, I'm willing to leave. That, to me, was the traits of a captain. Mm-hmm. he's not a captain he's not he hasn't been a great captain whenever he has had the um the badge uh Puyol definitely left some 
amazingly big shoes for everyone. Messi needed to be captain, but he, I'm sorry to say this, mm. Messi, where, wherever Messi will be going, he won't be captain. Because wherever Messi will end up going, he's going to deal with a new uh, coach. And coaches know Messi. And if you have a board that defends Messi with the coach, then you got problems ahead of you. We did that. Mm-hmm. Sure, Messi had a lot of power, but to me, that was also me- mediatic. Um, he probably hasn't the power that the media told us he had, but he was definitely being pampered. And I mean, coaches, wh- why, why didn't Pochettino uh, start at Barca right after Valverde? Because Pochettino, so Pochettino is Argentine. He he done a great job with uh, Hotspur. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he was. He has a perico past. <laughs> I know <laughs> that you're you're not into that, but still, he, he's a great coach. Uh, but I believe what happened is that the board knew that Pochettino wasn't taking shit from Messi. But you know what? That's a great coach. That's a great coach. A coach that can actually deal with Messi and. Because media has told us this, that, you know, Messi's friends and Messi's friends and Messi's friends. I don't know, Chris. Uh, do you really believe that? He, he, he definitely has uh, the final word on some topics, mm. most likely, but we will never know. But I think that's exaggerated. And, and even the board, I, be- I truly believe that the board even has made its way to let us into thinking that Messi had more decisions than he actually had. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, my hands are tied. I mean, Messi is Messi. Then they're never going to say it. So it's just a very, very weird um, sort of a double agent thing that the board was, was doing with Messi and his apparent power. Yeah. Messi well, wouldn't be captain in any of the teams he... Well, that, that's my take on it. Yeah, I might be mistaken. Yeah. But well, I, he's I believe... Man City. He's going to Man City. That, that's what, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that'll be a great fit for him uh, with Cunagüero and and Guardiola. That'd be the a burn, great fit for him. The burn would be great for him. Yeah. Yeah. But but you know what? I don't. I uh, really don't see Bayern getting Messi at all. Oh God, no! God, no! No, no, no! They're probably not even that interested in him, which is weird. But but they don't need him. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, PSG, you know what? PSG might be a good fit for him in a sense that he would prove us wrong because back with Neymar, so Neymar is like a ghost in PSG. Mm-hmm. He, he, and, and Neymar knows this. Neymar knew that back with Messi, that's why he wanted to get to Barca, mm-hmm. to return to Barca. Right. Uh, because Messi compliments Neymar and, and Messi is such, such an intelligent player. And, and he's matured so much as a player that he's no longer interested in breaking records or making goals. No, he's interested. And Barca should have seen this. Messi would have been uh, a great sort of Xavi Hernandez in the sense that he orchestrated the game. Mm-hmm. And Messi was evolving into that in Barca. But with other players, how can you do that? So that's what I think got, got tiring for Messi because he was still the go-to guy and he was doing everything that, that he did for the last 10 years without the speed. So I don't know. It's really frustrating for, for once. I mean, uh, we won't have Messi 
coming next season, which is crazy to even think about that. To see Messi wearing blue. Oh. Yeah. But you know what? I, I wish him the best. And we should all just be thankful for the gift he, he left in Barca. Yeah. And all of the joys and all of... He made us happy. And Barca wasn't happy. Uh, we've had a rough years. Uh, we, we had a glitch with, with, uh, with the Champions League, with Rijkaard. But we've been sad for the last 11 years. And along came all the generation of these amazing players. Along came Guardiola. But the Paragon is still messy. Yeah. The Paragon or Paramount? Um, the Paragon, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So the Paragon was messy. And, and it's so sad to see him go. And go like, like this, because now, I don't know, but what I've heard now is that uh, La Liga is backing up Barca against Messi leaving because he wants to execute this clause in which he's absolutely free with no uh, no payments to the club, no nothing. And now La Liga is backing Barca and Bartomeu doesn't even want to sit down if, he's not dis- if Messi is not discussing how he could stay. This is going to end up badly for us, Cules. I mean... And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. It's like, you're right. And I think that the board, I mean, talk about poor leadership. Um, I mean, sorry, there's a bunch of geese flying by. So if you hear something <laughs> weird. Like, yeah. No, it's great. I mean, the place up here is absolutely incredible. We get geese, we get eagles, we get uh, turkey vultures. It's, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> I can't. Yeah, that's all geese. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big old pond over here, so they like to fly in there and, and do their business and leave. Um, shit, what was I saying? <laughs> you were touching base on poor leadership. And poor leadership. Poor leadership. It, it's, it's like I, I'm, there's not a person I despise more than the mayor of New York City, Mayor de Blasio. Until I know, you said that. I, I was wondering why. <laughs> That's the first time I heard you say that. Yeah. I mean, the in the news and everything, man. It's like this this guy is just letting crime run rampant. It, it is. It's not the New York City. Like I know you miss New York, but it's not the New York City that you once knew. Really, it it, it is completely, absolutely, one hundred percent changed. When I was when I was getting when I was going back to the to the apartment in New York City to get some stuff out of there, I'm putting some stuff in the car. And um, as, soon, as soon as I was doing that, I, I was looking down the, I heard some screaming down the street, like two guys get, going at it. One guy was just getting completely irate, just going nuts. And the other guy was just trying to calm down. And finally, he just knew it was getting a little bit too much. And so he goes to call the police and the guy goes to his trunk, gets a gun and then points at the other guy. Wow. Yeah. So I like on the west side? Yeah. 117 Manhattan Avenue. Lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's not the same place anymore. It it is the crime and the gun violence. They're they're having like a fireworks go off uh, on a Thursday night, you know, going up all night long. Um, yeah, that it's it's not the same city. It's very chaotic. It's very very chaotic. Well, so, these are chaotic times. I I don't know. Pro- yeah. Hopefully, it gets back to a more normal state. Yeah. Past this, hopefully. Well, I mean, it, it, people, the whole thing is people, the one way you, you must survive, you can and you will survive anything is to adapt. Yep. That's a secret. 
You know, so you don't get to talk with your friends. You don't get to go to restaurants. You don't get to go out to bars. Well, okay, then read a book. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, read a book. Do something to kind of get to know yourself at this point. I, I, now that you're hinting this, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, That's right. But, but, but I think, at least me, I, I, now I consider myself uh, more mentally resilient than most mentally resilient people that I knew. Because what I think happens is people were uh, just projecting like, okay, so this is going to end in three months. Perfect. Uh, I, these three months, yes, I can go with it. After month three, yeah. boy, they, they, they just, their minds were blown out. Yeah. And it's like, I, I feel claustrophobic on this is, this is like prison and these attends with my liberties and why should I wear uh, a mask? And like, yada, 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 yada. All these nonsense. And it's like, well, you know what? I think I'm more mentally resilient than I thought I was because I, I wasn't projecting myself for any fixed amount of time. And it still keeps going. And sure, uh, there are worse days than others. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, there's technology. All I think is uh, put, things in, put things in perspective. Our grandparents, like their um, emergency situation and their dire times, those were wars, man. I mean, they, they got drafted and they, they just went off to fight wars. They didn't even know why we're happening. And... People died. And I mean, the only thing that we're doing or that we should be doing is staying at home. Is that really that hard? Yeah. Would you rather be carrying a gun and go to wars? No, it's just perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It just it's some people just can't deal with, uh, with uncertainty. It's just, but that's one of the human traits of being human. It's like, you got to deal with uncertainty. That's every you, single that's day you deal with yeah. to some extent, yeah. but yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned La Liga and from what I've read and seen on Twitter and obviously it's not gospel, but you know, there's all kinds of Twitter bullshit out there. Um, what I've read was that the president of La Liga is really scared because of the revenue that mm. La Liga will lose from broadcast. And a good example is Ray Hudson and you've heard Ray Hudson. He yeah. is comical. He is, the funniest commentator the on the funniest, planet Earth. Yeah. He is, my favorite quote from him was, uh, Messi, uh, you can drop a tarantula into his shorts and he'll still be cool. I mean, <laughs> that, that guy was just hysterical yeah, yeah, every time. Like, we're bit, not, yeah, we're, we're not going to get Ray Hudson anymore commenting on... On La Liga, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're not going to get it. I mean, we'll, we'll get it because he's contracted to do La Liga, but he's not going to do with Messi. And that's sad, man. Man, that's sad. Even when, so even when Mourinho left La Liga, even Mm. when Ronaldo left La Liga, I I must admit this, I I felt a a little empty space in my heart. It's like, come on. It was uh, great to have Mourinho against Pep and it was great to have Ronaldo against Messi. And now they took that away from me. Mm. But now it's different because... They're taking away something from us, culés. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying just culés. I mean, the world should be like really worried about. La Liga probably wouldn't be the same anymore until a next um, godly-like player comes in. And you know what? He might not even be in La Liga anymore. So 
No. So La Liga is probably not um, what has been for the last 15 years. No. So the impact this guy has, I mean, you said it, to influence an entire nation and to influence uh, economics and, and, and revenues and shares, like TV shares or however they're called. That, that's something that only Messi can do. But back to your point of what makes him the best in the world. Well, there you have it. Uh, there's data there. We should definitely see what happens to La Liga after Messi's departure. Yeah. It's going to be hard on them. And I mean, you know what? It's going to be hard on Camp Nou itself. And it's going to be hard on us uh, in terms of, of more associates. And it's going to be hard on us in terms of uh, revenue to Barcelona. Because let's face it, uh, Barcelona has become, became, uh, you know, we share uh, our love for Barcelona as a city. But Camp Nou was an absolutely touristy destination. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's not, it's not because of my captain. It's not because of uh, Xavi or Don Andres. No, it was because of Messi. Mm -hmm. Now that he's gone, I absolutely assure you that tickets to the to the Camp Nou Museum will get hit and tickets to our games, local games, will get hit. Uh, the amount of jerseys that Messi sold, I mean, I, I wish we had that data. Maybe we can get that uh, through Xavi, I don't know. <laughs> But the amount of jerseys Messi sold, I'm fairly inclined to say that no other player in Barca has sold more jerseys than Messi. Mm. I can probably bet you my pinky finger that, uh, that no one has ever sold more jerseys than, than Messi. And it's, it's a toll, an additional toll. That's why uh, now the board is all scared. Makes sense that the Liga president is scared. He can have a, a catastrophic toll on an entire country. Who else but Messi? And Spain's not doing well. It's not. It's, it wasn't doing well before, and it's certainly not going to do well during the post post Corona. It's not. I mean, Europe counts on our uh, on on tourism, especially Barcelona. Barcelona is. I mean, eighty percent of its income is tourism. And that has, that has not been around for a long time. No, no, no Messi. No you know, uh, uh, tourism from Japan specifically. Japan, uh, um, China, and some Middle Eastern countries. Mm -hmm. Gone to Manchester. <laughs> so now Manchester is going to be an amazing tourism hub just to yeah. see Messi play. Well, I mean, if Messi does really get to Manchester City, I'm I will quickly make friends over there, and you know, and 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 somehow get an in and go see Messi play. Because uh, hey, you know, it's it, it's it's not that I don't appreciate Ronaldo. It's not like I don't I don't think he's a fantastic player, the way he moved and and how good he was and everything. Even even uh, Andre Iniesta. Um, Don Andres said that he, he thought Ronaldo was a fantastic striker. He, I mean, those two going together, the, I, I think the best, best way to sum up the perfect player was Mbappe. Mbappe said, mm -hmm. if, if, I, if I had to be 
the, the, the players to pick for the, the best, I would want Messi's left foot, Neymar's right, and Ronaldo's heart. Wow. Yeah. And wow. You know, I think they I think oh, exactly right. That's I, a beautiful quote. Yeah. I mean, Ronaldo is unbelievably a person who is driven, 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 driven. And that's, you know, to have that heart, to have to keep going. It's like, I came from poor. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And he made everything manifest for him. You're, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, he should be applauded for, for all of that. It, it's when, what was it, three years ago? I went and lived, I, I lived in, um, um, in St. Ulrich in Germany. And then uh, when Juventus was playing uh, Real Madrid, um, I went to a pub and saw, saw the Champions League game. Mm-hmm. And when Ronaldo flopped, the whole bar, and Ronaldo stood up and, and like threw up his arms like, come on, the whole bar went, oh, you know, because it, he, he was and has been known for flopping. And I, yeah. it's like, you know, Messi never really did that. You know, there might have been one or two occasions where it's like, ah, oh, maybe, but Messi was always the person to not get involved, to not flop, to not be that person to get that, you know, get that goal. He would even deny it at times. It's like, no, nah, it wasn't a foul. And at least he was honest. You know, totally. Was, right. So that, that's where I find, I, I find that a large part of the reason why Americans don't like soccer or football is because, you know, no one likes, like, oh, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and they're really not hurting. It's that, it's okay. that, uh, it's a, it's that masquerade, the fakery, that just pushes a lot of Americans away from the sport. Um, you know, because Americans don't care. You know, we just don't care if you're hurting or if you're, someone sure. stepped on your foot with a cleat. You know, it's, uh, it's, we don't care. Like, keep playing the game. You know, that's how we react. Um, so the flopping is usually something that Americans don't really go for, but that's very European. It's very Latin. Yeah. You know, win the game when you can. Although so, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I just finished watching the the Champions League, the Women's Champions League, mm-hmm. and I must say this: uh, it was far, 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 far better game than the actual Men's Champions League. And these girls, oh my God, not only did they play amazing football, mm. but they're so clean in mm. it. Uh, there's no fouls. There were only two yellow cards in a champion's final, two yellow cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They play so good and not only good, it, it sort of reminded me like rugby, like a rugby match. Mm. Everything was like the... Um, the refs were impeccable. Uh, the players were impeccable. Mm-hmm. The, the, everyone gave their heart out, and, and it was a great match. It was Wolfsburg against uh, Olympique Lyonnais, mm-hmm. and Olympique had just won their fifth straight Champions League. Yeah. Oh my God! It, it was, and you know what? I, I you know what I really hate because because you, you you mentioned this, I really hate this thing happening in, in, in soccer where um, everyone's a candy ass. I totally hate it. That's why I mentioned Puyol from the start because he was the opposite of that. And not only that, uh, I remember that Dani Alves and Neymar were just uh, dancing samba when they scored a goal or something. It, it was Puyol who actually grabbed Neymar by the, the, the shirt and he didn't even say a word. They both understood that. It's like, stop it. 
So getting back to the, the Women's World Cup or Champions League, mm. oh my God, there was no flopping. There was no uh, ref calling. There mm. was no... It was, be- it was the way soccer should be played. Yeah. And I'm telling you, uh, all you guys out there, you should watch uh, the Women's Champions Final. You should watch the entire uh, tournament, but at least watch the finals. And, 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 and please... Uh, stand with me there it's it's the way soccer should be played in the end you know uh, the runner-up always and i i absolutely hate this every single runner-up i've ever seen just takes out the medal i hate it i absolutely hate it. i know people are competitive i know you have to show hormones uh, whatever it's bullshit a runner-up is the amount of sweat tears and heart poured down into that medal um doesn't deserve for it to be removed. Yeah. I'm sorry to say this. Uh, yeah. Because it's not, it's not only about uh, being competitive. No, it's not. It's about being respectful and being respectful for the sport that we love. And that's mm-hmm. about fair play. Mm-hmm. Not probably, probably one or two uh, Wolfsburg players did uh, remove their, their medals. But the vast majority didn't. The mm-hmm. coach didn't. Or at least they didn't, they didn't while they were on the pitch. Man, that was beautiful, beautiful soccer. Mm. And it was just three hours ago. It was mm. beautiful. Yeah. No, I, I set to record uh, to watch it. And uh, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, I think uh, what was it, uh, eight years ago, nine years ago, uh, the soccer commission and the FIFA owes uh, the women's soccer league a, a great apology, in my opinion. They owe them a great apology for making them play on artificial turf. Hmm. That is appalling. It, it is goddamn appalling. It is. It that is. They made, you know, I get you know I'm an emotional guy, but it's like that is goddamn appalling that you're putting women's careers or passions on the line. On the line. On the line, getting hurt. And, uh, and uh, it's like, it's unforgivable to me. It's uh, unforgivable. For those of you that haven't played in artificial turf, man, uh, playing, even playing baseball yeah. on artificial turf is, is hard. Man, yeah. soccer is just a travesty. It's, it's, yeah, I agree 100% with you. Mm. Attraction, the, the, the amount of stress or strain you get in your ankles, man, it, they can snap in a, in a jiffy. Because you got to stop quick. You've got to stop quick. And when you do that, it's like that puts that, that, that like really wrenches it. Joins hard. It, totally, totally. Yeah. It's awful. I've played once or twice, and man, it's like no, no soccer on, on artificial field. Sorry. Yeah. That, 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 sh- that, was, that was appalling. That was it's simply yeah. appalling. You know, I, I, and, it's, and it's not some liberal bullshit with me. Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm liberal. I consider myself liberal, but it's not some liberal bullshit. It's like, this is, you, 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 people are putting their hearts, their, their future and everything on the line, you know, to represent, na- you know, nations and countries who are hosting them. And this is how we're treating them. I no. mean, on the most, the single-handedly most successful team in soccer history is the U.S. women's soccer team. Yeah. I mean, uh, you don't have to go that far. There's no other team as successful as you as women's. Yep. yep. And the salary caps, and I mean, that's a whole entire discussion, but mm-hmm. you know what? The future is women. So go see the match and, and yeah. y- you'll see what I mean. It, it, it's uh, 
I got very emotional watching that match because mm-hmm. I, I wished, I wished for a match, uh, whatever, local, uh, World Cup, tournament, whatever, soccer match that only had two yellow cards, that it was all about playing. Mm-hmm. And it was all about hard poured down into that pitch. Yeah. And uh, I'm never going to see it with men. Mm-mm. But I got to see it with women and it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing I tell everybody. It's, 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 it's not, for me, I, I love the game. I love a great game first, Barcelona second. You know, I, I, that's all I want. And, and when Barcelona played Liverpool and they were ahead 3 nothing in the first, the first league, I thought, you know, it's just getting defensive at this point. I'll, I'll check out Ajax and, uh, and Real Madrid. And I did. And it was like, that's just an amazing game. Uh, I think I'm going to continue to watch this game. You know, Barca's my team. But like, this was amazing. Real oh, Madrid I, and Ajax was just phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, no, I totally understand. And, and there's the thing with us uh, soccer fans. It's the love of the game. Um, yeah. Wherever it stems from. Uh, being it a, a neighborhood match, being it mm-hmm. the World Cup final, mm-hmm. being um, a Champions League women's final. It's the love of the game that mm-hmm. makes us that emotional and makes us that f- fanatic. And I, I think we started this conversation by saying, or I started it saying, uh, there's no one above the team. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I need to say that again. There's no one above the team that we love. Mm-hmm. And Barcelona won't be the same without Messi. That, that is for sure. Mm-hmm. That is absolute truth. But we have 121 years of history on our backs. Not many clubs can say that. We have five UEFA Champions Leagues. Not many squads can say that. And not one team can say that we had the most amazing, greatest player that ever set foot in a field and we let him go and that's on us and 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 i hope so my only hope is that we learn from that mm-hmm. because we're a great team yeah uh change is coming yeah. so i'm hoping for new elections i'm really looking forward to that apparently they'll come on may 2021 but with the messy situation i don't know probably a no confidence vote might get into place well i was going to ask you about the no confidence vote what's like i that that was always on the table for the last three years after roma after roma that it was like no confidence and i kept hearing no confidence no confidence and no action so what what was what's i know the soshis have to have so many signatures but soshis are members right that's that's the name yeah and there's so many so many signatures but if you go by twitter feed you have more than enough signatures to get to meet, to have a no confidence vote to kick out the board. Like so, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused because, you know, as an American and what I don't know, it's like, I, I, you know, I'm a little confused about the process. So, but on this end, not knowing what's going on, it's like, I, you know, like hopefully this will clear things up if you, when you explain things and I shut myself up. Well, I, I probably Shabby could, could be a better person to, to look into this. Because there's like a big ass manual of statutes, and and, and for for all those that, that don't know this, um, as Chris mentioned, Barca and most European teams, or at least most teams in Spain and probably in the UK, most not all are owned by the people, and it's literally you are uh, a member in a sense that you have a piece 
of the team. It's sort of like an action, not, not, not like an action. It's like, uh, like a, when you trade stocks in the in NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, just imagine that, but for teams. So you pay a yearly amount of money and you are entitled to sort of a, a stock. And I, I'm saying sort of because you, you actually don't know how much of the team you own. This is totally determined by the amount of, of members at a given year. But you never know that. They might know it. So what, in, what are you entitled of uh, by being a member? The most important thing is you're entitled to vote. But, and, and, and here's the thing, votes must be cast on site. So imagine that there's no uh, electronic votes. There's no votes for members like me who live outside of Spain, mm. unless I would be willing to travel to Spain and cast my vote in Camp Nou. Mm. So that makes it really difficult. Of course, more than, and this, this is data from six years ago, but more than 70% of the members were in Spain, which makes sense. Mm. But still, uh, there's a misrepresentation of outside members who, I mean, we, we get charged the same yearly mm. and we don't, um, we do have the perks, but they're really, really, really hard to execute because at least for me living in Mexico, it's really hard to, you know, sure, I'll go. Why won't we go this weekend to Barça's Museum? It's free. Sure. Uh, however, I live like 20,000 miles from, from Camp Nou, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I believe this makes things difficult. I, I mean, people, it's all politics, which is... It's terrible, but yeah, uh, soccer is politics as well, especially in a sense where you involve people. It's mm. not the same for PSG or Man United, or I'm, I'm sorry, Man City, where they're privately owned by a single person. Mm. So, I mean, all decisions come from a single person. Think of it as a CEO. No, this is democracy. And from democracy, uh, the bullshit politics take place. So... I'm not entirely sure why hasn't uh, Victor Font, which is uh, the main runner-up or potential future Barça president, I don't know why he hasn't casted a non-confidence vote, but there must be something in the statutes that this allows this to be done. Mm -hmm. I know or I knew that there was an option, but apparently if there was, I don't know why he hasn't executed on it. No, not even Font, but the entire... Um, non-supporters of the actual Bartomeu board. So I, it must be really messy. And everyone is hiding behind Corona. So that's why we got told that, you know what? Well, elections will be bummed until May because of Corona. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the worst timing in the world to lose Messi. Yeah. Well, it's not because we, it's not like we can go to Spain and, and say goodbye. It's not like he's like, okay, two weeks, I'm going to have a goodbye party from exactly, Spain. Exactly, not even we, that. We can't, we can't go, you know, we can't, we, we can't do it. It sucks. It bores you, you know, that my buddy I was telling you about, who's a, a Pena, uh, he runs a Pena uh, in, in Denver. He's never seen Messi play. 
you know, he's never seen Messi play. And I've seen Messi play twice. And wow, the, the time that Messi did the jig, you know, yes. when that, when uh, Suarez was out and he did the jig, like I saw that goal and I saw him score a goal at the Champions League game against uh, Chelsea, you know, and it was just amazing watching this guy. And hearing the name Messi, it's like, oh my God. But, you know. You know just, what? I was there. Um, so the first time I saw Messi, it was against Sevilla. Mm-hmm. And the match was closing to an end and they were nil-nil. And I can't remember who was, but uh, he was a famous uh, Sevilla player. He was just all over Fabregas, like all on top of him. Mm-hmm. Until finally, like this was uh, the 88th minute or something. Nil-nil. Mm-hmm. Um, so he fouled um, Fabregas and, and, you know, Fabregas flopped and there was no VAR at the time. So it was called a penalty shot. And of course, Messi grabs the ball. And it's like, oh my God, oh my God, Here's, here goes. Here, here comes my first goal in Camp Nou. And mm-hmm. it's going to be Messi. And he missed it. And you know what happened next? The entire, entire Camp Nou, we were chanting Messi nonstop. Mm. So that was a beautiful moment. Mm. Beautiful. This was, this was probably 2012, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, probably 2012 or 13. It, it was just beautiful, 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 beautiful. Um, and I remember Pep saying in an interview, like right out, we, we were in the parking lot still, so we turned in the radio. And the words Pep said about Messi is like, uh, so why do you think people were chanting Messi's name even when he failed? to score a goal within the penalty shot. And Guardiola's words were, because this guy, actually he, he said this kid, because this kid gives us so many joys week after week after week, that us Kules must be grateful to him. And this is what happens, that's the result. Who gets chanted when, when failing a penalty shot? Mm-hmm. Only Messi. Yeah, yeah. So it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sad that uh, when I when I say Messi, most people don't know here in the states. And and uh, but what's funny is um, this past Wednesday, I was getting my car serviced, and this uh, older gentleman, uh, very chatty and nice, very nice guy, we're having a conversation, and then out of the blue, he just says, uh, "You like soccer?" and you know, if you grow up or are familiar with the people around this area in upstate New York, you know, you, you don't hear soccer talk too much. Sure. Especially an older person. You, know, you might hear from like a teenager, 20-year-old, or something like that. But an older gentleman is like, yeah, yeah, why? And he said, and he said uh, uh, are, you, are, do you, are you familiar with Barcelona? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Took my bag. I showed him, showed him the Barca symbol, and and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess you are." And then I showed him pictures of having gone to Camp Nou and and uh, the stadium and stuff. And he was just he was just so amazed by everything there, um, by La Sagrada Familia. Um, the, you know, the stadium is one of the largest in Europe. Um, you know, I, I it it just it really what really sent the reason why I'm kind of diving you know, rambling on about this is that assumptions, you, you don't realize like how often you, uh, you assume until it actually shows up in your face. 
like, oh, you would assume this guy is not a soccer fan. You would assume this person doesn't know anything about Messi or anything, but they do, you know. Um, yeah, I was just kind of rambling on about that. So <laughs> that's funny. Uh, to me. I mean, have you told the guys how we met? Um, no. <laughs> that was a funny story as well. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, was, I was on my way to uh, uh, doing a dog walking gig and when I lived in New York City and I saw you wear a uh, Barcelona jersey and I said, oh, Barcelona fan. And we started talking, we exchanged uh, information and here we are years later. That's a, that's a cool story. I always like that. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah I, I remember, I perfectly remember saying to you, wow, uh, you don't call the game soccer. You call it football, which is impressive because mm. probably you were the first American person that I heard calling the sport as it's meant to be called, <laughs> yeah. which was impressive. Yeah. No, I, 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 I got to give uh, due respect and homage. I mean, it's, I have to say soccer around here, but I, I always have the same football. And the, the funny thing is I've always had this big thing about the football game itself. And Joe Rogan talked about it, but I've always been mentioning for years there's only one person who touches the, the, the foot with their ball in football, and that's the, the kicker. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, that's it. He's the only person who touches the foot with their football. And it's like to call the game that is just kind of – Yeah, it's funny, right? I, I, always, yeah. I always thought that. But. You know, I, I mean, if anything, call it concussion. Call it TBI. You know, <laughs> don't, call, don't call it football, but, you know. Um, but, geez, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. But, no, I, football – You know, I just, I love calling it that because it is, is you're playing with a handicap and it's all about passing with your foot, kicking goals with your, with your foot. You can use your head, you know, but. And it's uh, called like that in the UK. Uh, yeah. The thing that I, well, probably because of uh, American football, that's why it's not called football, but uh, yeah. Are you excited about NFL or not at all? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I've, I've, um, You know, to completely divulge, I mean, probably going to screw myself out of future jobs. Um, but I have pretty significant uh, brain injury um, from uh, all those years of... Uh, Playing football? No, no, no. Just kind of, uh, you know, some a couple of years in the military yeah. and, and then uh, having to fight all these years to, you know, I was a I was wrestler in high school and... Uh, not until much later on in my life did I get into boxing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just some, just, just it's it's hard for me. Like I went to, I got tickets to a Knicks game. I was eight seats back, and and the, probably the, t the tickets were like a thousand dollars a piece, and I was very grateful to be there. Um, and there was a, the Trinitron and, and the lights and everything. It just it just hurt my head. I oh. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, so I had to leave at halftime. Um, oh, too bad. Yeah, and part of the reason why I just I can't have a TV is just the the, the bright, you know, the flashing, and you know I can't sure. deal. With it, so, um, but I can, you know, Camp Nome is easier for me, and people around it's easier for me. Maybe just being relaxed. I don't I don't know what it is, but yeah, just the intense lights and stuff like that—they right. just really bothered me. But um, no, I'm I'm just not into. I, I I I'm 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 pretty much highly impatient. I am the most impatient person you'll ever meet. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I just like to know when the game's going to be over with. Like the re I, there's only three sports I watch and that's boxing because if I want to be hanging out with my family, I better, I better know boxing. And I love boxing. Okay. Uh, my family and I, we love um, UFC. Uh, okay. Cage sure. fighting. It, it just, I know when it ends. 
I know when it ends. And when the fight's over, I can go do my thing. I can go sure. probably read a book until the next fight. But I, I'm, I just like to know when it ends. Okay, at this time here, the, game, the fight start, and it starts at 9 p.m. and ends at midnight. Great. That's when I'm scheduling myself. myself. I don't like it when it keeps going and going and timeouts and timeouts and timeouts. I, I don't like it. I, I don't have the patience for it. So funny that you mentioned it because um, I was working in Seattle when it was World Cup 2006. Yes. Mm -hmm. Germany, right? Germany 2006. Mm -hmm. I was working in Seattle and my manager at that time is like, you know what? Uh, you've been talking nonsense about uh, soccer. So I finally gave it a go. And no, it, it's super frustrating. I mean, the score ended up like being 0-0 and it was super frustrating. So now back to your story about, uh, you know, it, it's really different because he was defending uh, American football or football for you guys uh, because uh, everything was slated and, and I guess because he was used to it, he was from Ohio, if I remember correctly. Uh, where I believe it's like Texas, right? It's like national pride in football. Um, uh, oh, yeah, very much, very much. But the, the other thing in Ohio is uh, very big. It's wrestling. wrestling oh, very big. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know really? Columbus is very like the soccer mecca. Yeah. But, but still, this guy was in, wasn't into soccer, so he finally gave it a go. And he was super frustrated because he's like, it's, I got impatient. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's just the exact opposite, as you're saying. And mm -hmm. he was he was very impatient because it's like nothing happens here. So I, I just spend 90 minutes of my time and the, the match, not only was it tied, but, but no scores or no one scored a goal. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it just, it's just difficult as well because it, it, America is a football baseball uh, culture to really, because I, I didn't get it. I really didn't get into it until 2006. And the only time that in America you can, you can see a game, was, uh, was either World Cup or Champions League or anything. So you, I, I couldn't watch a game. You know, the only time I did is when I actually went to Europe in the, sure. in the 90s. Um, then I could see what all the big deal was. But, you know, World Cup games, that was it. And it's, it, it was just when I started getting into it in 2006, 2008, it was all Barcelona teams at that point. Basically, you know, Spain, the Spanish team was Barcelona. Uh, then they won a 2008 European Cup. They won the World Cup in 2010. Then they went up. They won the 2000, uh, 2012 uh, oh. Euro. Um, phenomenal team. Phenomenal. And, and I did not understand the sport at all, not one bit. But somehow, some way, I was able to see it and understand it much better when I saw Chavi and Iniesta play. I thought, I get it. Somehow, some I, I mean, as complicated as Tiki Taka is, which is the Barcelona system, which is like, you know, take the ball, pass the ball, take the ball, pass the ball as much as you can. It's basically Tiki Taka is like keep away, you know, like keep away. And so when I, I started watching Chavi and he has to play and then pass it to Messi and then pass it back and watch the system, now I get the sport. And, and then I had a growing passion for it. And then I just started learning more, learning more, and taking it on the chin that I didn't know. And that's okay. You know, it's okay I don't know what, what a clean sheet was. And yeah. now I know it's zero zero. Yeah. And I'm sure if your friend knew what a clean sheet was, it's you know, he we would have changed his mind. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's just I wanted to learn. 
I just really wanted to learn. A lot of people are just not willing to learn a new sport or new something else. So, but I just become to love the sport. I love it. You know, I, I've got a theory, and probably you can help me out here because I believe that the reason soccer is so big everywhere in the world, but the U.S., is because it's a sport that every single kid, wherever. His um, located in the world can play. Mm-hmm. I used to play soccer with um, so two rocks were the goal posts, and we had like an energy drink. So think think of like um, a Gatorade, like an empty Gatorade um, thingy. Mm-hmm. Just smashed it, and you just start kicking it. Yeah. Whereas I don't know volleyball, you need a net. And and basketball is probably easier to play, but you actually need a hoop. And football, like American football, uh, is probably the easiest one to play, except you need the pigskin, right? Because uh, otherwise it doesn't make sense. I, I mean, you cannot play um, football with like a regular ball or a rock or a Gatorade um, bottle. I mean, probably you could, But every kid in the U.S. has a pigskin. So, so, so here's the thing. Every kid in the entire, the rest of the world probably doesn't have access to either a pigskin or some hoops or a hockey goalposts and mm-hmm. sticks and all, all these equipment. No, but you definitely have access to a rock or a balloon mm-hmm. or a, anything that's kickable. Mm-hmm. And probably yeah. that's easier. Yeah. I mean, you saw the Suarez quote when he said he was in uh, uh, Uruguay and he, there was an entire year he played soccer, uh, football with, with, with no shoes. You yeah. know, he, just, he just did it. He did it in bare feet and that's just the way it was. They couldn't afford shoes. So that's how he played and, and good for him from, for becoming a multi, a very successful you know, player. Um, it's funny you should mention that. I, it, was my, it was my stepdad's sister's kids that I went over, we went over to visit and they wanted to play something, just like some kind of sport. We, we couldn't find a rock to play, like play baseball, like nothing, nothing that resembled anything. But we had was this plastic um, uh, pumpkin. Okay. You know, that, that would just had a little, you know, black, black little handle on a plastic handle on it and stuff. But it was like decent size enough to do something with. And we said, let's play soccer. That's perfect for soccer. Yeah, exactly. So we started kicking that soccer around and stuff. And the ball got to me and I bonked it with my, with my head. This, you know, this hard plastic thing. And like my cousin just fell on the ground laughing and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it was like, you're right. If, if you have anything... You can you can make this game happen, and I, yeah, I, I, you see the best come from all walks of life. Yeah, but the I want to get back to Valverde because one thing I want to give due props is, is like I I was not sure about uh, Kike Setien's style, which you know has obviously not been sporadic. He was just it, it was clear he didn't you know he he got lucky a few times. Um, But if I had to say in the past, since 2008, let's say 2008, so we'll go with, um, what, last 12 years? Let's say on the pecking order of who was the best coach for Barca, Guardiola. Yeah, I agree. Okay. okay. Sure. I would say the second best coach in the last 12 years, 
Valverde. I would go. I would go. I would go with Valverde. Wow! I I didn't imagine you would say that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I would go with Valverde because the evidence is there. You know, the evidence is there. We we had we didn't win the Champions League, which always sucks. Yep. To not win. But Vegas and but Copa del Rey, yeah. Copa del Rey. So yeah. the evidence is there. I, you know yeah. what? Uh, now that you mention it, because uh, I, 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 I totally agree with you, and I would put mm -hmm. Tito Villanova as the third one. But that's the thing. Tito Villanova was uh, Pep's second man, and mm -hmm. he was Catalan, and he did play for a very brief time at Barça. He had Barça DNA all over him. Uh, he tragically died. He lost his battle to mm -hmm. cancer. But the thing is this, uh, Tito Villanova is regarded probably as a in the last 12 years as the second best coach next to or right under Pep. But Tito only played one, one, um, one full season. Mm -hmm. And in that full season, I, we did end up winning La Liga, probably La Copa del Rey. I cannot remember, but most likely. So it was a doblete, right? A double a double whammy, which Valverde has a few. Mm -hmm. So that's why I don't get the, the, the inconsistencies of like, mm -hmm. let's sack Valverde because mm -hmm. he's only won us four ligas. It's, come on. Mm -hmm. Seriously. And Valverde, I think he was a great coach. And not only data backs me up, but apparently, and, and maybe this you know better than I do, the players, like every single player was backing Valverde. Mm -hmm. So Messi didn't want Valverde to, to be sacked, for example. Mm -hmm. And apparently Setien, which, I mean, coming from Betis, he did a very decent job. Um, it's always hard to come to a team, especially a prime team like Barcelona, to try to fix stuff. And then Corona. and But apparently he wasn't very well cared of in locker room. So I don't know if you know more about this, but apparently he was very aggressive to the players and he apparently didn't give clear instructions, but he did uh, recriminate some other stuff when they were in, when stuff wasn't happening. So eventually the, it ended up in the players to play stuff. And of course we know what happened, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think Osasuna, the loss against Osasuna, was the final nail in the coffin. I don't even think it was Bayern. Mm -hmm. Once we lost the Osasuna match and yielded this year's Liga, I believe that's when Messi said, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens in Champions, because he knew. He knew that the Champions League wouldn't be, wouldn't be easy. We were lucky to be there in the first place. So I believe that that was the, like, the moment when he said, you know what? This is not going anywhere. If we lose mm -hmm. against Osasuna and we end up yielding La Liga, there's, there's no future to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I just feel like for me, Valverde handled things incorrectly. Um, I feel like something happened. There was, there was a buildup to uh, we're doing super well. Um, when things when things went a little bit difficult, and we're uh, we're facing like maybe we're ahead of a team like two nothing, the second time we play them in a, in a semifinal or something, he then wants to play defense, 
And Barsha is not defense. Yeah. We are not defense. And so there was a lot of pressure on the midfield. There's a lot of pressure for the midfield to keep defending. And so what happens is we have a shit defense and we weren't building that up. We had to do something with PK. We had to do something with the defense that was just kind of folding like an origami. You know, and there was nothing done about that. There's nothing done about like maybe possibly like, did you see the video with, uh, with uh, Jordi Alba when he came back from Liverpool at halftime, he was shaken. Like, like a leader is supposed to go in there and do something about that. Give the person confidence, take that person off and do something. And I just felt like a lot of the time Valverde was scared to like waver salute, you know, and on and on, you know, like, and that's the pressure he can't handle at the board, resign, do something. But like, if you can't handle that, you can't take, you know, like be Phil Jackson, you know, be Pep Guardiola, be the person who can say, you can do this, you can do this. And I just, I'm, I'm saying it as like hats off to Valverde. Thank you very much, Valverde. But as, as I, I think it took from going from Pep, going to Valverde was a sharp drop. And then yeah, after yeah. that, it, yeah. And then it was like Tito because of unfortunate circumstances and stuff. And then it was going to be Luis Enrique. And then obviously, you know, going down to Kike's at the end. And it, it, it just... You're forgetting Martino, which had a like... Oh, a thank you. Brief. Thank but, you. But, no, but, but still, mm. I, I do get you. Um, probably- but, I'm, sorry, but, I'm sorry, but that's my take on Valverde. So it's not like... I just, I just know that Barca needed something different. I wasn't sure if it was a coach, board. Now, retrospect, yes, we all know now it's the board. If we had a different board in Valverde, it would have been really cool to find out how good Valverde would have yeah, been. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, but I, mean, I didn't like. I didn't like. The, I'm sorry. One more thing. I'm so sorry. Sure. About this. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Um, but I also didn't like the way he treated Malcolm. Mm. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. He, the guy didn't deserve that. He he was passionate about going from from yeah. Roma to Barcelona. It's like I don't need you. Well, with Coutinho he, as well, right? Uh, that's yeah. probably one of the things that Valverde, uh, that's probably my, my low point with Valverde. It's like, and now you see what happens to Coutinho. Mm-hmm. He scored two of those eight goals against us. And we deserve that. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of a sudden you have, uh, you have Coutinho and you have Thiago with the Champions League trophy. They deserve it. And, and, then, and then we got to pay, we got to pay uh, Liverpool $5 million. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully we'll do because Coutinho is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and now that Kuman has told everyone that Suarez is not in his plans and I don't know what, what, what will happen with Griezmann, but maybe it's Greece time's time to shine. Mm-hmm. So no Messi, no Suarez. So maybe uh, it's time for the French Revolution to come in, right? Uh, there's Coutinho and, and there's, pro- hopefully, Philippe will go back to us alongside with Griezmann. And I don't know, do you see uh, Neymar coming back without Messi? Oh, God, no. God, no. 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 Yeah, no. No. I, I, don't, see, I don't see me coming back to Barcelona <laughs> without <laughs> Messi for a long time, you know. Um, you know, I have it in there, but it's just, it's just not going to be the same. I mean, I, I got to, the only thing that's going to get me back there is, is having Xavi Hernandez as, as a coach. That's yeah. It. But, but Xavi is not coming until um, the board is gone. Yeah. Long gone. Yeah. Long gone. Mm, hopefully they'll be soon. 
But then I don't know. Uh, I believe um, Dutch coaches are great. Mm. I, I do believe like Kuman was a Barca referent and he got us our first Champions League trophy. I do believe that probably the lack of cojones from the board was totally pushed on Kuman's plate. And then it's like, sure, you have carte blanche and then go ahead and we'll back you up every step of the way, except we're not saying anything. It's all on you. And then Kuman comes and he pretty much sacked uh, Rakitic and Luis Suarez and Arturo Vidal, mm -hmm. but not Piqué or Busquets. I think that's what hit the chord uh, for Messi. Yeah. It's like, not only are they sacking my friends, which, sorry, man, you're a professional, so friends, foes, whatever, deal mm -hmm. with it, man up. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the bad message is that, so truth be told, I mean, were you to sack only one person in the squad and you have Piqué and you have Luis Suarez, Chris, in all honesty, who would you be sacking? Oh, Piqué. And it's not just because, uh, because of my anti-PKism. No, no, no. Mm. It's because there's data behind it. Luis yeah. Suarez is a great striker, and he's got probably two years left. Took one good year, probably stretching it to two good years. Uh, Piqué is done. Just mm. by the, the position alone lends to it. It's a very difficult position. Like, uh, central defender is very difficult. Piqué was a great central defender, but he's no longer one. Uh, Pujol spent probably a year out. If you, if you sum up all of his outings, he, mm -hmm. close to a year. Um, it's a very difficult position. Whereas striker, sure, you lose speed and you lose uh, edge, but still, uh, you could become a, a number nine like Suarez, and all of a sudden, you, you just need a great Jordi Alba or Messi pass and you still keep scoring. So mm -hmm. it's not just me being anti-Piqué. And probably this is what uh, Messi was going like, oh, excuse me, what? So you are firing the second best striker in the team, which happens to be my best friend, but you are not sacking any Catalans? That was a hard message and, and, and I don't entirely agree with that. But I'm pretty sure that Kuman was told this from the board. It's like, so Piqué is untouchable. Excuse me, uh, he's not the best defender. He mm -hmm. wasn't even the best defender. I remember Rafa Márquez. Rafa Márquez, uh, and that's just because he's Mexican, but ever since he was in Monaco, not even Barca, Rafael Márquez was the best central defender in Europe at some point. So true that he ended up being in Barca. And mm -hmm. he had at least two years before Piqué. He was the best, along with Puyol, it was the best central uh, defending machine in Europe. Piqué was never there. Piqué, Piqué is a great defender, but he's no Sergio Ramos. And I, it, it pains me to say so, because you know my <laughs> feelings about Sergio Ramos. Yeah, it yeah, pains me to do so, but truth be told, he's no Sergio Ramos. Yeah. Not even attacking Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos has defined Champions League finals for Real Madrid. Sergio Ramos, a central defender. Piqué hasn't. And, and every time Piqué 
tries to score a goal. I don't know why. I seriously don't know why he still thinks he's going to score goals. He doesn't. He's just yeah. a lump there. He's very tall. Um, he's uh, he, he's uh, not very agile. Come Clément Linger, he's very agile. He's not as tall as Piquet, but he's pretty tall. And he scored goals against Madrid mm. in his first year. Yeah. That's a great central defender we should keep. I don't know if we will, but uh, I'm sorry to say this. Piquet needs to go. And Piquet needs to, pre to prep himself to be president. Mm. That's what yeah. he will do best. That, that's his legacy for Barca. He should leave now, campaign for next year, next election. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, but it's too late. Uh, yeah. But, 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 hear me out. Maybe Puyol, Xavi... If Piquet leaves this, this season or next season, he might be. But I'm pretty sure Puyol, Xavi are returning to Barca. And probably Puyol will be... Um, I always wanted to see him like president, but I don't think he'd be that good or that he'll like that. But what I believe Puyol can do good is a uh, sports director. Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably what he'll end up doing. So imagine Puyol being sports director with Xavi as coach and Piqué as president. Man, we've got a golden age coming up. Yeah. So hopefully Piqué uh, gets, gets well, the fingers crossed because we, we have really ruined their reputation. Did you see that Donny van de Beek is, is heading to Manchester United? No. Yeah, yeah. Coleman, Coleman really wanted him. Please come to Barca. Please come to Barca. He's like, nah, I'm going to Manchester United. Wow. Yeah. And Van de Beek, I mean, monster. Yep. Monster. And, and like, he can't trust going to Barcelona. Not even with a Dutch coach. Not even with a Dutch coach who wanted him, begged him to say, please come by. That's hard. He's like, no. So we got to remove this stain. Yeah. You know, or like, not. Well, you know what? No. We got to invest in La Masia again. That was a thing that worked for us. Uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, He's in Sevilla and he just won the UEFA Europa League. Uh, we had him for about two years. He was from La Masia. Xavi Sanders. I, I can't believe that. Uh, I can't remember his name. Well, he's in Sevilla and he won a second. He was in Celta. Celta Vigo. Um, Al Haddadi. I can't remember his first name. Uh, but then, then again, he won his first Europa League. Mm -hmm. And it seems that all of the talent with, uh, we have an invest on in La Masia locally, they're shining, I mean, probably not the stars of their teams, but they're shining with their teams. Mm -hmm. And their teams are nothing compared to Barcelona. So that's what I don't get. Ricky Puch, I'm, I'm, that's my next Xavi. Yeah. I'm putting I, my heart out to Puch and hopefully we don't screw that up as well. Well, I mean, are we, are we getting back Alan Ya or no? I don't know. I've been hearing lots of rumors, but I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really what's going to bring like, yeah, like, Carlos, like me back. I, Carlos, I, I mean, that was amazing. I refuse to see a game if, if the, the same board's still in existence, but I'll, I'll come back and I start playing Pooch back. And okay, you know, I might start watching because I want to see La Masia players. Yeah, me too. You know, I, I want to see that happen. But you had mentioned uh, Polio a little while back. I, I, I think if, if you have to define the, I, I can't even say the perfect captain, 
the perfect human being. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and the most respected human being amongst the football community from Madrid to Bayern to all the clubs, everybody will say Puyol. I agree, 100%. Puyol. He represented Barca. Like, like the yeah. Barca that we idolized, mm-hmm. it was Puyol, both on the field and off the field. Yeah. I was wearing a, um, a Puyol uh, 2010. Uh, I still have one. Um, and uh, the 2010 um, uh, jersey. And I, I requested Puyol, you know, to you know, put on there with a star and all that yeah. stuff. And I was wearing, around, wearing it around Brooklyn. And, um, and so a guy saw me. He said, oh, you're, you're getting in here for free, man, because Puyol, Puyol, I love him. I love him. Like across the board, if you're a fan of Manchester United, you love Puyol. If you're a fan of Arsenal, you love Puyol. I mean, just he's the, he's the guy. He's a quintessential captain and human being, as you said. Yeah. He's a gentleman on the field and off the field, but um, he had so much intensity in the pitch. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw Puyol stopped uh, made up goals with his face, which he, of course, broke the cheekbones and had to wear like a Hannibal Lecter mask for like <laughs> two months. I yeah. saw him do that twice. I mean, who else did that? Only Puyol. Yeah. 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 No, a beast. Absolutely. Was his nickname Tarzan? It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. Because he had the long curly hair and he's just very rugged, but you did not see a player. I mean, Ronaldo, fine. You can say Ronaldo was intentional, but anybody, if he broke his feet, he would crawl after you. That's, that's Puyol. Exactly. Yeah. He would get you one way or the other. Yep. He's going to get you. Um, well, I, was, I was seeing the match probably... Uh, Monday, it was a repeat. Uh, it was the 09 Clásico in Madrid, uh, the 2 6 1. Oh my god, such a beautiful game! This was the match when when Puyol. So, Cannavaro, remember Cannavaro, Fabio Cannavaro? Mm-hmm. He, won the, he won the 2006 World Cup with Italy, so he was defender, uh, along with Sergio Ramos in Madrid and so Canavaro uh, does something and and I believe it was Xavi who got uh, who got the hit in any case uh, Xavi goes for the shot right out of the uh, right out of the foul point and and, and you saw it coming mm-hmm. I mean Piquet was there so mm-hmm. Piquet super tall uh, it was the prime years of Piquet so so he got uh, both defenders marking him and Puyol starts, he slowly starts walking up towards the field, towards the goal line. Slowly, slowly, slowly. And then Xavi looks at him. So everyone was concerned with Messi, with, uh, with Henri, with Eto. So everyone was dancing in the area. Uh, Piquet was also there. So he's like, well, this guy's super tall. He's going to score. Uh, no one saw my captain coming. Mm-hmm. No one but Xavi. And then he, he kicks the ball. And Puyol just leaps into the air. And with his Tarzan mane, he just goes for it and strikes it with the head. Uh, it was, this is my top one favorite Barca goals ever in history. Mm. Not even a Champions League goal, not even the one that gave us the first one. Not even Don Andres's against uh, Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. This one, this one was, was very, very emotional for me. Because, so Puyol scores 
he runs towards the uh, towards the corner line. He takes off the shield, the captain's shield. Mm. He kisses it. You know that the captain's shield has uh, la señora, the Catalan flag. Yep. He kisses it and goes in the air with it. Oh my God! It was such such a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Just slightly above Don Andres's goal. Both of those goals have I, I shed tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one because of the, the, the Puyol's goal for what it meant against Madrid in Santiago Bernabeu, the captain, uh, everything that meant. And, and to me, this was the the initiation of the best year of our lives, which was 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe it was like two weeks after Don Andres's goal in Chelsea. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I've never chanted a goal with so much strength in my heart than that one. It was mm-hmm. just amazing yeah so yeah we've got um, great memories from that and Messi's head goal against Manchester United that same year mm-hmm. um, with the head yeah uh, and, and and I know we've rambled for about two hours now and, and we probably lost track and you we have enough material to do like probably two episodes <laughs> with but back to the point so back, back to the important point which is Messi I just want to say this. He'll be terribly missed. And mm-hmm. wherever he goes, it'd be weird <laughs> not seeing him. In, it's weird when, when I see uh, Argentinian games. Oh, it's weird to see him in the Argentine squad jersey. It's weird. Yeah. But it'll be definitely, it'll be very cringy to watch Messi with another jersey. I really hope for two things. One, I hope he does amazingly good. I bid him uh, the best of luck. I bid him farewell. But most of, I thank him for all the joys he has given in my life and in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that alone uh, makes me want to see him happy. Mm-hmm. And he's no longer happy with us. So, so I bid him the best of luck. Uh, I, I've, I'm sorry, my friend. Um, I, I've always focused on you and, and our friendship towards and, and our love for Barcelona. The one thing I've completely forgotten, please forgive me, and I, and I hope Mireille forgives me, is how has she felt about Messi leaving and going away? Because she is a Barcelona fan. Oh, she's, uh, she's devastated as well. Yeah. We haven't had like that talk. Yeah. We've been postponing it. Uh, it's just like the typical... WTF talk is like seriously is this happening why and I told her and we've been talking about this moment but Messi's Mm -hmm. retirement not him fleeing she's sad as well I mean it's it's funny you you get to for me it's been 15 years knowing Messi and he was so young and I was younger but not as young uh sort of like a nephew-like relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain this, but uh, it's like he was 16 and, and you saw him in Barça B with Piquet and, and you saw him rose into fame and every single time he did, he did better and better and better. It, it's been hard on us as a Barça family. It's mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. Uh, but, but one thing that we both agree on is that no one is above the club because 
first and foremost, we love Barca. Mm -hmm. um, Messi come, or <laughs> should I say Messi came with Barca? Uh, but he's not Barca. Barca is above us, so above everyone. Mm -hmm. So first, our, our love for the club. And with that love in mind, you definitely start pointing fingers and, and start asking questions and, and you all of a sudden start getting into the situations that we're talking about. Like, is it some, somebody's fault? Is it the board's fault? Is it the, the coaches, the previous coach's fault? Is it Messi's fault? In the end, we just have uh, our appreciation for him. Absolutely. Puyol uh, tweeted his utmost support for his friend, yep. which yep. tells you something. I mean, because if a there's lot. someone Barca, if yeah. someone bleeds uh, Blaugrana, is Puyol. Mm -hmm. So he knows, uh, he knows what's happening. And I think us culés in the world should feel the same. We should first and foremost be thankful for 15 years. Well, he's got 20 in the club, but at least from since we started seeing him play. 15 years. They have been amazing. Most of them have been better than worse. And... And it, co it comes a time when you need to let go. And we didn't see the signals. We didn't read Messi as we should have read him. But we should only be thankful for him. Yeah. I hope, my second hope is that eventually, I just hope for this not to be uh, a cheap soap opera thing in which uh, everyone loses. I don't, I don't need this like, to be a zero-sum game. Uh, I wish Messi is not coming back. We need to say this and we need to accept this. Messi won't stay in Barca. Let's move on and let the board move on. Nothing that they can do can remedy the situation because they should have remedied it four years ago or yeah. three years ago. Yeah. So nothing they do now will change his mind, um, I think. So please, 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 what I wish is for the board to let him be, to thank him in facilitating his exit. Yeah. That's, that's my hope. Such that in five years from now, eight years from now, he can come back to Camp Nou and he can play his final game and he can play his, uh, his actual retirement game with our jersey, with a jersey that has been given to him Ever since he was 15 years old, uh, he deserves it and more. Uh, we do not deserve Messi. Chris, we do not deserve him. Um, so hopefully, we can do one less thing yeah. that makes him aware of how important and how pivotal he was in our lives and in football as a whole, yeah. such that he can come back to Camp Nou in his own terms and have a proper goodbye ceremony. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, in the same way with you, I, I, I would prefer that, that something would be reached to say, look, I can't play with this board right now. You have to work out your financial situation, but I need to play with a class A team. Exactly. So let me go for the year. Let me go. Free, foremost, whatever. Let me go for the year. and come back the following year when you're gone with Chavi and or or stipulations need to be worked out and and if if it's up to my you know for me i'll you know whatever work something out where i will come back you know 
it's, it satiates uh, Messi's need to be with a, a, a team that wants to win, that is familiar with Barca style, and gets the board out, satiates the fans. We'll see what happens with, you know, life without Messi. Probably gets scared to death because maybe we might, we might get, uh, we, we might not even make it to the Euro, Euro Cup. I know. Yeah, we might not. It's a huge fucking risk because we've been, we've been messy dependent for the last four years. Totally. And, and so without him, how do you play a game? Even Coleman admitted, uh, oh, that we're going to use Messi as a central player. It's like, okay, your whole program was around Messi. Now he's gone. What are you going to do? Yep. What are you going to do? This is going to be a, a freaking shit show. I mean, yes, I love, you know, I think Griezmann's great, but like, you've got continue coming back. You've got Griezmann coming back. Both players are where Messi likes to play, which is the false nine area. Yep. You know, so which one are you going to choose? Coutinho or Griezmann? That's a tough one, yeah. Or in Kuman's um, football wisdom, maybe he can find better spot for both of them, not being uh, technically the false nine position. I don't know. Uh, I can definitely see Coutinho being um, more of a false nine, sort of leading to a 10. Mm-hmm. And Griezmann taking Luis Suarez's gig as an absolute nine because really? of his speed, because of his... I think so. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but uh, I, I think Coutinho is a much more complex player in terms of, of pitch intelligence and, and the place he could actually send to a guy like Griezmann, who in my mind, he's a lethal striker like probably the best um, the best guy to be in Luis Suarez's shoes. Hmm. Griezmann at Coutinho. Why are they going after Maxi Gomez then? I don't know. Everything this board and, and, and Avidal has been doing, I cannot explain. I cannot uh, understand. Yeah. And my utmost respect went to Eric Avidal. He was part of the team and and cancer survivor and you know but i don't know i still tend to think that he might not got it wrong with griezmann i hope yeah i hope because he's a he's an undervalued player in barca and and he doesn't deserve it as well because he he's such a gentleman that he's been shutting up i mean uh he's not uh talking shit and no he's still there he knows that he's being uh degraded and he's still there so that's that's the reason i i my vote of confidence goes to griezmann at least for next season and we'll see with kuman without messi without suarez now it's time for him to to prep up uh hopefully he can do it yeah um i wanted to ask you off the record um i've got uh, like 11 more questions for you wow okay yeah. So, do you want to continue, or do you want to come back next week, and we can do a part two, or what? What do you want to do? I, you know, I can keep going, but like I know that you know you yeah, have family obligations, so we can do a part two. It'd be, if you want. It'd be great. It'd be amazing if we can uh, carry on probably next week. Okay. I tend to do this. Uh, my ADHD, I guess, just takes me uh, <laughs> on focusing and to other roots with your questions. And, but, and I know probably in, in another situation, you might be, uh, if I'm derailing, you could 
probably get me back on track. But it's been so long since we haven't talked about it. So no, no, no. The whole thing is, I just want I want people to understand you. I want people to understand what I see. You know, I want people to see how I see you and and um, you know the bond. And it, it's like we we've completely grown up in different environments, completely grown grown up in different time periods. But our bond, what brings us together is this club. And from based on that, it's like what the club represents is who we are. We're, we're loyal to whatever we, whatever we do. We're loyal to our club. We love, we, you know, so it just, it just, there's a, there's a bond between Barca fans that I, I haven't met in most other clubs. Absolutely. Barca fans are just uniquely different than any other club ever. Like, uh, you know, I like Arsenal. I like, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Dortmund. I'm a big fan of Ajax as well as uh, Olympico Dion, Leon. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love them. Those I are great clubs with, with similar philosophies, like yeah. Ajax and Arsenal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so, you know what? Um, I really hope for, so now that Messi is gone, I think it's always good to have the, this uh, clean slate in terms of fans mm-hmm. because the true fans come out. Yeah. Uh, those of us who have been um, with the club in, in dire situations and in uh, most of us are, are more closely to the 2009 season. Uh, so everything was like, finally, everything paid off now and we we're the best in the world. The Sextete, Guardiola, Messi, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, they, the player fans coming to action it's great for the club it's great for our finances but i think a clean slate is also good so now yes messi's gone so all messi followers it was great we are sorry to let you go but you should go with messi Mm. again no one's above barcelona yeah so it's good it's good that uh player fans or messi fans specific player fans need to go with their player yeah. Their love for the man is greater than the love for a club. We were happy to have you, happy to host you. Uh, it didn't end the way that we pretended to, but, yeah. but it's also good. Uh, I, I think all, all catastrophes lead to change and change is imminent and change is good. Mm. We need to change. We need to adapt. Uh, even kids from La Masia, they need to live this they need to be pissed off they need to be shedding tears because Messi is leaving they need that Mm. because this only takes us into the bottom and there's no nowhere else to look but upwards Mm. it's a great opportunity yeah let's let's see that way and let us hope that we can welcome Messi back in a few years from now, probably not as a player, yeah. but at least for uh, overdue and well-deserved retirement ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. We should retire number 10. Won't happen. Uh, won't but, happen, but like any, anybody worth their salt. That's why I'm hoping some, like somebody like Victor Font, uh, who would really honor Messi, he, he would retire number 10. I think he would. I think he would, and it would be well deserved if he if he did. Well deserved, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I uh, 
like I said, I have like 11 other questions, 12 other, you know, because you're, you're quite well versed in the Catalan history, Catalan language. And it's, it's just interesting if, you, if people were, were to understand the history behind Catalonia, a fight to be independent and, and, and that Catalonia is vastly different and that why they don't consider, consider themselves Spanish even though they're under the Spanish, you know, when you go to Barcelona, Spain, they don't consider themselves Spanish, and they have they even have their own language. So you you would be a, a very very rich, interesting history about Spain and Barcelona. So having you on again would be uh, would be fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, so let's meet up next week if you like. Uh, I promise to be more focused. <laughs> so this doesn't last almost three hours. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, it's, it's it's totally fine. I was just I was just like I, I was looking at you, and I just thought, okay, I think um, something something's telling me it's like we can we can keep going for a couple of days, a couple of hours, but like let's, know, let's, let's let's break this up. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens next week with Messi. Maybe maybe you know. Yeah, maybe we have some updates. Uh, yeah, you know, I I mean I, I mean if I must be selfish, if I must be honest and selfish, it's like of course I want Messi to stay. Of course I do. Of course. No. I do. Who doesn't? Right. It's like, I want him to stay. Yeah. But goddamn, it's like, what's best for this man who has given his, this club? It's like, you've got, you know, go. I, I, I'm rooting for the divorce. I'm rooting that's for the divorce. The nail on the, how do you call it? The hammer on the nail or the. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's spot on. That's, that's, that's what we should be thinking. Of yeah. course, uh, you don't want your mom to leave. But if your dad's abusing your mom, it's like, it's a no brainer, right? Yeah. You got to stay. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. You can't stay. <laughs> I was going to say, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, what an asshole. Let's like, yes, see, take it because you're the one who's going to take it. The more punches you take, the more it's going to change. Oh, Jesus Christ. There goes my uh, liberal card. I mean, <laughs> no, don't stay, Jesus Christ. You know. Uh, just, exactly. And what's best for Messi is to leave Barca, leave us. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be terribly missed. We'll be absolutely thankful for him and well, let's, let's just wait and see it'll be difficult but let's wait and see I mean look we can make some uh, Premier League fans in Manchester City and go see him play and you know I'm, I'm sure at some point the board you know when Messi does actually officially retire they'll, they'll throw him a party they'll throw him a, a retirement uh, thing in Catalonia after this you know horrible horrible board leaves um, but yeah it's We'll see. You know, I, I, I can't say no to us not saying goodbye to Messi. Yeah. I can't say no to that. Maybe, so. maybe even, uh, and we're speculating here, uh, if Xavi eventually, if the board eventually leaves and Puyol, Xavi, even Piquet get to be in administrative positions and Messi's primary will be passed due, um, I don't know. Maybe we can. Maybe he agrees to just one final season with us, even if he just plays twenty minutes per game, yeah. every other game. Mm-hmm. That's perfect to me. The other thing, and I think, I think we have to dream big. Let's dream really, really big. Don Andres. Okay, I don't know how the fuck people do it. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> Um, Don Andres coming back and being the teacher at La Masia. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. 
You know what? But that's the thing, right? Probably, I mean, we're rooting for Xavi, but Xavi's got no real, uh, he doesn't need it, but he's got no real coaching experience except for what he did, uh, what he's doing now in, um, where is it he's at? Uh, United Arab Emirates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even Pep Guardiola stayed at least a season in Barca B, so... I don't know. I don't know if, if, if Xavi would have to go that route. Or he probably should. I don't know. Uh, but I agree that Andres has to come back to the club mm-hmm. uh, in some, to some extent. Yeah. Because these kids, well, I don't know. They probably didn't see them play, but they've heard legends and they've watched the games. Uh, so having them in La Masia again would be totally inspiring. Mm. Reading that inspiration today, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's important to know what good leadership will, will uh, completely change everything. So, my friend, thank you so much, man. It's always good to see you and talk to you. It's and, great uh, seeing you, Chris. It was a very, very interesting. Uh, I needed to to unwind. I, I haven't talked to anyone as I've talked to you right now, because um, it wasn't the moment. So I needed some, um, there's a term, right? When you like, not, not deflate, but well, something similar. I needed to unwind. Yeah. And so thank you yeah. very much. No, thank you, dude. I, I just, um, I needed to decompress. Decompress. <laughs> well, I mean, you're bringing another life into this world and, and a, in a beautiful, wonderful life. She is, she is just a, uh, no, thank you, man. Because um, you know, you and I, we uh, we talked quite a bit when when Laya was about to come into this world and the mm-hmm. worries and everything. It just is, you know, the because I even told you that when I, I look I look at the father, the parents before and then after the birth, and you absolutely look completely different after Laya was born. You know, that's good. Good to know. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. No, it's brighter, shinier, just like. You, you just got like make a clear focus about what's the most important thing in your world. So she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, my friend, uh, we'll talk uh, next week. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chris. It was great. You're a great interviewer. Thank you, my friend. So, all right, my friend until next week. Thank you so much. Take Love care, you, mate. father. Love Bye-bye. you. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to our website, thefullpodcast.com, and follow us. We'd appreciate your support. More episodes are soon on their way.